Isaiah 65, 17 says, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. I love this next verse. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Revelation 22, starting with verse 1, says, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of Main Street, and on each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. This is an actual river flowing through an actual city. Have you ever thought about that for a moment? Think how most of heaven, most of eternity has been stolen from us. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, it's always been kind of this vague, cloudy, hazy place with little fat angels playing harps sitting on clouds. We've never really thought about it being a real place, but it's an actual river flowing through an actual city. Its waters are crystal clear and flowing with life. Liquid life flowing as a river. Growing on the banks of this river are real trees, and their roots go down to drink those waters of life, which is probably why they're called trees of life. I adore rivers. They are high on my list of favorite things. I love trees also. It makes me so happy to know that even in the city, there are rivers and trees, and doubly happy that we find our healing in them and from them. Imagine the great parks in this great city. I wonder what colors the fruit of the tree of life are. Are they, de- are they different each of the 12 months? What does that queenly fruit taste like? Will it be something entirely new or will it taste like your favorite childhood flavors that you remember? Your mother's pie, chocolate, vanilla ice cream. They'll be delicious, I have no doubt. And how large are those trees? They heal nations, so they must be magnificent. Tall as redwoods, spreading as great banyan trees. I have a picture of a banyan tree I want you to see. That's a banyan tree. Now, if you're like me, we need to expand our imagination of what the river is like. How have you pictured the river? Subdued and delicate, small, more like a canal. The Thames River is almost 300 yards across as it flows through London. Ships navigate it. The Nile is almost a mile wide in Cairo. For some reason, our famished imaginations have pictured the river of life as more nothing than a stream. Do we only drink from the river? respectfully dipping our cup? Or do we wade in it, swim in it? Come on now. You'll be standing on the banks of a river flowing with the water of life. 
You've been working up a thirst for that water all your life. I'm diving in. I'm from a family of swimmers. I grew up as a child swimming. I lived in Amarillo. Of course, we didn't go to the beach or to the ocean. My father, we didn't do those kind of things. But I always loved water. I always loved swimming. When I was a child, my parents and I went to a hotel. I couldn't tell you what town we were in or where we stayed. But I remember being young, and I'd never had swimming lessons. And I told my dad, Dad, if you'll let me get in that pool, I can swim. And he said, son, you don't know how to swim. I said, dad, you let me get in that pool and I can swim. And he said, son, you don't know how to swim. I said, dad, let me get in that pool. I'll show you I can swim. And out of exasperation, he said, fine, get in. And I dove in and swam across to the other side. Then I've been swimming ever since. I've introduced my children to water. We're a family of swimmers. Uh, Ashley and Arthur were with some friends one time, and they were staying at a hotel, a place, and and they were trying to figure out where the pool was, and their friends said, man, y'all must really like swimming. We we really do like swimming. I have a list here. Uh, we've uh, swam in lakes. One of the favorite things we've ever done is cliff, cliff jump at Lake McKenzie. Uh, we love rivers. I don't know if you've ever been to the Camel River in New Brunsville. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, I have swam in the Guadalupe River at midnight with a group of friends, and it was so amazing to do that. We travel to go swimming. Okay, don't we? Yeah, we travel to go swimming. No matter where we go, we're looking for some place to swim. If it's wintertime, we swim inside. If it's summertime, we swim outside. The end of this last summer, Kurt and I went to a leadership training. It was a one-day training uh, in Plano, Texas. And we had picked this particular hotel to stay in because of the pool. We don't look at the rooms or the beds. We look at the pools. And so we picked this place to stay because of the pool. And when we got there, the lady at the desk, there was a sign, and it said, pool closed. And I said, what do you mean the pool's closed? She said, oh, we're doing some maintenance on it, and it's closed. Now, we were in the Dallas area, and I said, well, can you transfer us to another hotel uh, that's the same as your chain? And she said, no, sir, I'm not able to do that. So we went up to the room. And we began to call hotels in the area because we were going to pack our bags, get our stuff, and move to a different hotel so we could go swimming. Well, while we're doing that, Kurt's on the phone Googling, and he finds this amazing swimming pool in Plano, Texas. And uh, he found out where it was, found out how much it cost, and uh, we gathered up our uh, belongings. Now, we stayed in the room we were at. We didn't have to leave, but we went to this pool and went swimming. Now, why am I talking about this? Because I cannot wait to swim in the river of life. I cannot wait to cliff jump with my father and my brother and my grandfather and my son and my son-in-law. I can't wait to cliff jump with many of you in the river of life. And you may say, Pastor, this morning, I don't care about swimming. Well, I hate being wet. Why are you talking about swimming? Well, maybe your thing's not swimming. Maybe your thing is something else. Maybe it's horses. When I was growing up, my father loved horses. We lived in the city. We didn't live in the country. But I had an aunt that lived in Pleasant Valley in Amarillo, and they had what we call the chicken pen, but it wasn't a little thing. It was a huge thing. And my dad had horses, and he kept them at his sister's house, and we would go, and we would ride horses. Now, we didn't own a saddle. We'd never owned a saddle, so we rode like Comanche Indians, uh, which is bareback. And so we'd put the bridle on. We'd throw ourselves up on the horse, and I could tell you many stories and adventures we had riding horses. Now, 
I'm not a horseman. I'm not a uh, accomplished horse rider. I would tell you I'm not at all. I wasn't back then and I'm not now. I know there are many men and women in our church that can ride way better than me. I never owned a horse myself, but my dad loved horses. Now, here's what I know. I believe my father's riding horses in the kingdom. I'm going to swim in the kingdom. Now, maybe your thing's not horses. Maybe it's golf. I don't know. Some of the most beautiful places I've ever been are golf courses. I'm not a golfer. I've played a couple of times, and I'm terrible. Okay, When you go to preacher's meeting, all preachers play golf. For some reason, they don't go ride dirt bikes. They don't go swimming. They don't go ride horses. They go play golf. And, I, and, I've, and I've played golf with preachers trying to fit in, and I, they figured very quickly how, what a terrible golfer I was. I thought golf was like baseball. You just hit it as hard as you can, and that didn't work, and I found out pretty quickly. What's, what's the point? The point is this. Whatever your heart loves will be in the kingdom. You see, we've had this weird idea about heaven, and it's not weird. The things you love, the things you care about, the things that you have a heart for will be there. Let me continue to read. The river flows through the city, but it must flow out into the countryside. Do fly fishermen get to fish its waters at that point? Do families picnic on its banks on Sunday afternoon? We will soon find out. For I believe those who love the city life will find their joy in the city, and those who love the country life will find their joy in the country. Both are promised in the coming kingdom. Now, I'm a Texan through and through. Okay, I love Jesus with all my heart and soul, and I love Texas with all my heart and soul. And I love being in church where Jesus is, and I love going to the Alamo in San Antonio. And I love standing on that ground where Davy Crockett and Jim Bowie stood. I love Texas. I love West Texas. I grew up in Amarillo. But you would probably agree with me. West Texas can be beautiful in its own way. And I'm not saying that. When it rains here and it's green, it's beautiful. And we have our own beauty with Powder Canyon. But you would agree with me that there are places in Texas and the United States much more beautiful than West Texas. Now, if you're thinking, hey, West Texas has its own beauty, I totally agree. But if you've been down to see the oak trees in, in the hill country and you've been to some of those places, there are places most more beautiful. Well, Don Schulte and I, he was in the early service. We were talking about the renewed kingdom. And he asked me, he said, are we going to live in West Texas? And here's what I said. I think we'll live wherever we want to live. But here's what I believe. West Texas will be restored. West Texas will flow with rivers. West Texas will be beautiful. The grass will be green. The trees will be full. Now, I want to read a scripture to you, and as I read it, I want you to think about this area as I read this. It changes everything. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I live up here in the McKenzie edition, and just a block over from where I live is the park, and the uh, Tool Creek runs through there. Creek is kind of a fake word because there's not much water in it, and, and, right? And I've often thought, if you've ever seen the Kamel River, it's wider than this building in the water. It's not crystal clear, but it's clear. And I've always imagined, what would it be like if behind our neighborhood in that park, instead of the Tool Creek, it was the Kamel River, and there were huge oak trees with ropes, and the water flowed through there, and you could go get in it anytime you wanted to. Well, here's what I know. I wouldn't live there. 
You know why? Because I couldn't afford to buy a house there. <laughs> right? Yeah, the houses would be three times as expensive as they are now. So I have to settle in this life for Tool Creek. Here's all I want you to see this morning. The things you love, the places you love in the new kingdom are going to be given back to you. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Have you ever driven into Tulia or Plainview or Amarillo or anywhere in this area? Have you ever drone it, drove into a town and thought to yourself, man, I wish they'd pick this place up. You know, if you're ever coming into Tulia and you think, man, we need to pick this junk up and we need to kill some weeds and everybody needs to mow their grass and, and we need to do some things to, to beautify our city. And there's nothing wrong with that. But here's what I know. Do you know what that is on the inside of you? It's your kingdom heart. Because you see in the new kingdom, everything is going to be restored. Everything is going to be beautiful. And this city right here, it's described right here in this verse. God will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Now, I know this. Many of you have experienced devastation in your life. You may have experienced it as a child. You may have experienced it as an adult. You may have experienced it with your health. You may have experienced it financially. But all of us have had devastation in our lives. We live in a world that's been devastated. We say this all the time at church. The world is broken, and it's broken because of sin. But the promise in Scripture is is that God is going to renew, and He's going to rebuild it. I want to read to you in Luke 23, starting with verse 38. Luke 23, 38 says this. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. Now this is where Jesus is being crucified on the cross, and above his head is a sign that says he's the king of the Jews. Next verse. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. Aren't you glad this morning you're not getting what you deserve? Man, I am. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, if paradise was not a real place, if paradise wasn't true, I believe that Jesus wouldn't have mentioned it. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Now, I want you to notice something in that verse. It says that if this life is the only place we have Christ, if there's no eternity, if there's no heaven, if there's no paradise, then that verse right there says we're miserable. Look what it says. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If there's no hope of eternity, then what good is it? But there is hope of eternity. Let me read to you out of 1 Corinthians 4.13. 
And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you'll not grieve like people who have no hope. If you'd leave that up, I want you to notice something. He's answering a very important question. He's asking a question that I know everybody in this room has asked and everybody on planet Earth has asked, and that is, what happens to us when we die? You see, I said last week, the world has no answer for death. The culture we live in has no answer for death. We're the ones with the answer, and the answer is Jesus Christ in the resurrection. We have the answer to death. And this verse says, hey, I'm going to answer. I'm going to tell you what happens to people. And it doesn't say people. It says believers who have died so you will not grieve. Now, let me say something to you about grief. Grief is healthy. You want to grieve. It's not something you want to stuff down and get rid of. But it says that you and I can grieve and have hope. Listen, if we believe in eternal life, if we believe in paradise, if we believe there's a city with a river that flows down Main Street, on each side of it are the trees of life, if we believe Jesus is sitting on a glorious throne, then it has to change the way we think about death, doesn't it? Because see, if we just believe you die and you don't exist anymore, then we don't have any hope. But you see, my father is still alive. My mother is still alive. My brother is still alive. Oh, they've left this life, most certainly. But the scripture says they're alive. Can you put up the next verse, please? For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, you, by the way, you do believe that, right? Okay, if you believe that, you're a Christian. If you don't, you're not. For since we believe Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, you do know Jesus is going to return. He said he's coming back. When Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who've died. I want you to see something powerful in that. Jesus promised he's coming back. Can I just say something to you? It matters how you live. It matters how you live. It matters the choices you make. Listen, I'm a product of my father and mother's choices. Your children are going to be a product of your choices. See, don't, don't, don't believe the lie. It doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter what I do. It ain't going to hurt anybody. No, it hurts people for generations to come. See, I'm a product of my father's choices. I'm a product that he knew Jesus Christ as his Savior. And the scripture says right there, Jesus is coming again. And when he comes again, he's going to bring back with him the people who've died. Where are those people? Well, they're in the kingdom. They're in heaven. They're waiting and they're coming back with him. And when he comes back, what did we read all this time? What have we been talking about? That Jesus is going to renew all things and he's going to sit on his glorious throne and he's going to make all things new. I've got another verse I'd like to read you. John 14, verse 1. Now, before I read this to you, I love this verse. This set of verses, Jesus himself is speaking, and it's so powerful. Listen to what it says. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Some of us need that. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. What did I read to you just earlier? That we're going to build houses and we're going to live in them. Jesus called them mansions. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. And I love this next sentence. If it wasn't true, I'd tell you. Hey, there's no houses. We're all going to live in tents. We're going to have to drink out of the river and we're going to have to use an outhouse. And that's just the way it's going to be. No, he didn't say that. He says there's many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Then he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. There it is. 
and I will receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Now, I don't know about you, but I think one of the greatest promises of heaven, one of the greatest promises of eternity is I'm going to be with Jesus. You're going to be with Jesus. Now, I cannot wait for that moment when I see Jesus for the first time and I look into his eyes and he looks into my eyes and I run and jump in his arms and I embrace him and he embraces me and he says, welcome home, Rusty. I'm so glad that you're here. And he's going to know me like no one has ever known me. Not in a bad way, not in a, not in a way of judgment of, oh my gosh, just Jesus and he knows everything I did. No, not like that. The blood's taking care of that. He's going to know me like I wished I had been known my whole life. Are you with me? He's going to know you better than he has anybody. And you're going to know him. What a reunion that will be. I was visiting this past Wednesday night with a young man in Ground Zero. Uh, They were sitting right over here in the service. Kurt was beginning to preach. And during praise and worship, a couple of boys had gotten our attention And one of my leaders called one of the boys out and began to talk to him and took him out into the hall while I was sitting right back there on the back row and I could hear him talking outside and they were, they weren't just talking, they were conversing. And, and so I stepped out there to tell them they needed to move away from the door. And as I visited with this young man, uh, he was telling me what was going on and what was happening. And I told him, I said, we'll take care of it. And he said, well, that's what the teachers always say at school. And that's what my parents always say at home. He said, but here's the deal. At home and at school, I'm invisible. And nobody notices me. And here's what I told him. I said, you're not invisible to me because I've known him since he was little. And you're not invisible to God. You're not invisible to the Lord Jesus. And I want to tell you the same thing. If you feel invisible, if you feel like when you see Jesus, he's not going to know you or it isn't going to be what you want it to be. Listen, you're not invisible to him. He loves you. He's gone to prepare a place for you. He's coming back again to get you. And it's going to be amazing. And all this series has been about you putting your hope in that. That as you live sometimes even in the midst of devastation and in the midst of hurt and in the midst of disappointment, the day's coming when all things are going to be renewed. All things are going to be made right. And Paul said, what we're going through right now isn't going to even compare to that. You're not alone. You're not on your own. And you are known. Amen? Now, I'm going to close in prayer, but before I do, I wanted to just remind you of two things. There's a website called ransomedheart.com, and you can get on that website. John Eldridge, the man who wrote this book, has a website, and he, did, he spent five weeks on Facebook, once, once a week for five weeks, and he talked about the book, and he talked about the chapters, and it's on his website. And you can get on ransomedheart.com. You can scroll down the homepage, and you'll see these where he talks about the book, and they're amazing. And I wanted to encourage you, if you want to get on and watch those, you can. Then the video we showed this morning to you of the little girl is on allthingsnew.com. And there are several films on there besides this one that you can get on and you can watch. And it'll really help you have a better understanding and a deeper 
uh, knowing in the book. And so I just wanted you to know about those two websites, ransomedheart.com and allthingsnew.com. Would you close your eyes and let's pray? Father God, I want to thank you this morning for the hope of eternity, for the hope of your kingdom that we belong to it, and that this life is not all there is, that we have eternity, that we are immortal, that we are going to live forever. Lord, it's hard to even take in and think about it. Father, I pray your grace, your strength on us as we go from this place, that you cover us with your love and your life and your grace that your hands are on us in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Would you all stand, please? I'm so grateful that you were here this morning. Y'all go and have a great rest of your weekend.